Munificentissimus Deus, try and say that five times fast, states that the Church has never looked for the bodily relics of the Blessed Virgin, nor proposed them for veneration of, of the people. We have a proof on the order of sensible experience. So the fact that we've never presented relics of the Blessed Virgin Mary's body or bones, as is typical with saints, We've never had anything tangible that would place her body here on this earth. And this is remarkable because I believe that there's over a dozen churches in the world that claim to have the head of St. John the Baptist. This is, people do this, right? We want great pilgrimage sites and so people say, yes, we have the head of St. John the Baptist. But despite the popularity of visiting the body of the mother of God, no one has ever claimed this. We don't have a single document that claims this. This is a pretty big deal. So from this order of sensible experience, as the Pope said when promulgating this great mystery, we have a reason to believe, yes, of course, the assumption. We've always believed this for the 2,000-year history of the Church, simply because we've never venerated her relics, her bodily relics. In addition, this mystery, this dogma of Mary, is connected to the other dogmas. The fact that she is Mother of God, that the Great Mother and Queen of the Universe ought to be present not only soul but body with her Son who's glorified soul and body. It's fitting that just as we have one man who's glorified body and soul in heaven, that there is also a woman mirroring the the old Adam and the old Eve. In addition, for the perpetual virginity, the saints speak about her virginity as the one who is able to maintain her virginity intact even through childbirth ought not undergo the corruption of the tomb. Someone who could be utterly faithful in their virginity and still bear God himself should also enjoy the privilege, the grace of not undergoing corruption in the tomb. And then, of course, it's tied to the Immaculate Conception, most specifically the Immaculate Conception. She who never knew any sin, not even original sin, who could not, could not undergo any corruption of the flesh by sin, ought not experience the curses associated with sin, namely death. So she would not experience the corruption of the tomb because from the very moment of her conception, she had no sin. 
But I want to focus on one of the last points made in this document, talking about Mary's assumption into heaven. And this is what it says. While the illusory teachings of materialism and the corruption of morals that follows from these teachings threaten to extinguish the light of virtue and to ruin the lives of men, that's quite a lot, while the illusory teachings of materialism and the corruption of morals that follows from these teachings threaten to extinguish the life of virtue and to ruin the lives of men, in this magnificent way, meaning the assumption, all may see clearly to what a lofty goal our bodies are destined. It is our hope that belief in Mary's bodily assumption into heaven will make our belief in our own resurrection stronger and more effective. So it's interesting that the Pope is tying a reason for the promulgation of this dogma specifically with the crisis going on in the time. So we think that materialism and problems with our bodies and um, sexual immorality, all those things are relatively new. Not true. The Pope specifically promulgated this in 1950 because he saw what was coming. Well, God saw what was coming, and the Pope was the instrument. But he made this connection that there's a doctrine out in the world that says we can make the universe whatever we want. We can shape our bodies. There is no meaning to our bodies, not beyond this life, not with the spirit. There's simply no other meaning. We can do whatever we want because this is ours and I can do what I want with it. And he he saw this and he wanted to shape this um, with this dogma. He wanted to shape the thinking of Christians so that we would not fall into this pitfall that destroys all virtue and the life of men. So promulgating this gives us a great sense of the dignity of the body. Now, ironically, uh, listening to Jordan Peterson, I don't, it's controversial, I know, I get it. But uh, Jordan Peterson podcast, I was stunned because Jordan Peterson is not a Catholic, even though his wife prays the rosary, and I don't even know if he's a Christian. He's complicated, um, like many philosophers are. But in dialogue with someone, his, his interlocutor said, I want to resist the romantic notion that the world is a blank slate that I simply express myself upon. He didn't want to understand the world as just a canvas that I can distribute whatever paint and colors, whatever I want on this canvas and shape it to be what I want. And that extends to the body. It's not just the world, it's also our own bodies. Listen to what he says. I did not make my body. I participate in it, shape it, and move it. But it is given to me. That givenness constrains the way in which the world can be given to me. The givenness of the body, the fact that we've received our bodies as a gift from God, constrains the way in which the entire world can be given to me. Because we experience the world through the body. So this exalted status of Mary, her bodily assumption into heaven, gives us great understanding of the dignity of the body and the great gift the body is to us. This isn't something that we can just 
take and use for whatever purpose we see fit, the body's deeply tied to its givenness, meaning there's a giver and there's a great glory and purpose destined for this body. And I have to treat it as such. That's incredible. That's radical in this world today. So to hear these two philosophers debate back and forth, talk about the givenness of the body is really amazing. And I'll give you a concrete example just how our bodies can't, the meaning of our bodies can't change. Uh, We can't change arbitrarily what our bodies are meant for. And here's a concrete example. If you walk outside, you'll see plenty of trees, right? And we can imagine what the trees can be used for. They can be used for shade. We can make canoes out of them. We can do all sorts of things out of trees. But imagine if arbitrarily the givenness of our bodies dictated that we are actually 400 feet tall instead of, you know, 5 foot 9 or the average height here at Our Lady Mount Carmel is like 6'4". But in any case, when we go outside and see these trees, if we were 400 feet tall, trees would have a different meaning. The universe would have a different meaning. Trees would be like grass to us. We would call trees grass, and grass would be so insignificant we probably wouldn't name it. Maybe moss, and then moss would be, well, whatever. You get the idea. It would change our entire civilization. There'd be nothing made out of wood. Everything would be made out of stone or clay. We wouldn't be able to use wood for all the things that we use it for, shade, building things, tools, and that's significant. That's because of our bodies being the way that they are. They're a particular size. So imagine all of the different things unique about your body, all the, the things unique about you, your gender for crying out loud. Do you think something that different, that big of a significance for our bodies have in effect on the way in which the world is given to us. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And by acknowledging Mary's bodily resurrection and glorification, that givenness in the way in which we receive the world and even the love of God, even the love of God is affected by the givenness of our body and perpetuates into infinity. So our bodies are a gift not just for this life, but in celebrating the bodily assumption of Mary into heaven, we also recognize that the great givenness of our body that sets the way in which the world can be given to me also has an effect through all eternity. So we cannot neglect the importance of our bodies. Not only can we not think in a materialist way that when I die, that's it, and there's nothing beyond this. Not only must I resist the temptation to think that my body can be whatever I want it to be and ignore the fact that there's so many things about me given to me by God that I cannot change, then I need to go deeper than that and say, oh my gosh, not only is all that true for this life, but it's also true for all eternity. And it really changes our priorities. People worry way too much about the bodies or way too little in this life. But when we understand in heaven, where they're neither married nor given in marriage, where our view of the beatific vision overflows to the body, so that the bodily joy of the resurrection and glorification of our souls into our bodies, there's a huge bliss in heaven associated not just with the soul but also the body 
when we understand all these mysteries, we put the body in context. It is such a great gift. And somehow this gift, that's a material thing, is glorified and brought into this heavenly spiritual realm. That's God's plan for us. And that's God's plan for Mary teaching us this. So we give great thanks and glory to God for assuming Mary into heaven, glorifying her body, so that we may know and understand and be reminded that our bodies are great gifts to us. And our bodies, the givenness of our bodies, constrain the way in which the world and even the love of God is received by us. And so we give him great thanks and glory for this mystery.